It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. That'll do it. The Olympic trials and what an ending it was and we had to wait several more hours but we're pleased to bring you this late night edition of the flow track podcast I am Kevin Sully recording live from my own house that I will continue to own because Noah Lyles kept winning joined by Gordon Mack who is a couple miles away from me Gordon good evening how are you I'm excited to do a midnight podcast it's 1 a.m on the east coast it's it's 10 a.m. 10 p.m. on the West Coast, but this this was worth staying up for. I feel like this probably was the best day, the best 40 minutes of track I've seen in a long time. Like I know some people think of certain World Championship days that have been incredible, but from the you know obviously start with with the world record to that women's eight yeah. to what happened in the 1500 to the men's 200, it was. Four of the greatest races that I've seen all put together in a 40-minute period. And it was great. I, I'm kind of speechless, but I'm going to turn my speechless into words because that's what a podcast is for. A podcast isn't just us sitting here being speechless. we got to actually break it down and, and react to what happened. I could just read the comments if you want for an hour, and then we could be like, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Listen. Uh, yeah, yesterday was great. And yesterday I had that problem because we had all those number two – in history performances and some things that we really weren't prepared to talk about. And then we had to talk about them because the athletes just performed that well. Today was a little bit different. It was some stuff that you thought could happen. Like you could envision Sydney breaking the world record, but seeing it is different. You could see Cole Hawker have that moment, but to actually do it is different. A thing, Mo, we had talked about the potential. We had talked about how versatile she is. And if she gets in this big race, how is she going to respond? And she did it. You know, that men's 200, obviously, so deep now. I think, Gordon, it was just the fact that it all came together in, like you said, one 40-minute stretch that made it so remarkable. Like, there were no duds today. I mean, even you go the morning session, which was like three days ago now, I feel like. The men's 5,000 was interesting. The the field events were historic with Javon Harrison dominating. I mean, there's a big storyline with the weather. It was just one thing after the other after the other. So yeah, I'm excited to chat with, with you about it. Um, you want to start with Sydney? Yeah. Sorry, Sydney world record. I vividly remember yesterday. You just like off the cuff, just making it a guarantee. Yep. Sydney's going to break the world record tomorrow as if it was not that big of a deal. And you're casual, just accepting that she is going to be the next world record holder was very fortuitous because it happened and she looked so perfect over pretty much every hurdle and then she just had that extra jolt her like fifth mm-hmm. gear in the final 50 meters which is what like secured the world record because when i was watching it 
having Dalila Muhammad, the world record holder, on her outside allowed mm-hmm. her just to key off her for the first eight hurdles, where all she had to do is like, hey, just use Dalila was basically her rabbit for 330 meters. And then once they got to that final home stretch, then I was like, all right, now I got to use my speed that I have that I've trained and doing the 100 meter hurdles and basically accelerate in that final 50, which resulted in a sub 52. And it's just crazy. You I mean, what was the world record in the 400 hurdles before Dalila broke it? Back uh, in the so first time she broke it. You're talking pre trials or US championships in 2019, 5234. Yeah, but was that Delilah's? Like, what was like no, the old? That's the mark Delilah broke was fifty two thirty four. Okay. And now we're down to fifty one ninety. Yeah, you're right though. So Sydney, <laughs> it's a big jump. Sydney's Sydney's strength is the close. We saw that even in the races that she lost to Delilah, she would usually make up ground in that last little stretch. And when she was even coming off the home stretch, I think you're right. She used Muhammad to key off of her. And then nine and 10 really pulled away. But I mean, credit to Muhammad in this race, who has not had a smooth buildup by any means, goes out there and runs 52-42, her third best time uh, in history, I believe, for, for Dalila Muhammad. And every time these two get together, it's just in a championship race, it's just iconic. It's Magic and Bird, right? It's Federer and Nadal. It's like they bring the absolute best out of each other. And to see Sydney's beaten her in the past, but not in the championship setting. She'd get her in the Diamond Leagues, and those were good wins, quality wins. But to see it in a championship race was something else. And I don't know if Travis can pull up the photo. This would require some expert digging from you, Travis. When Muhammad broke it in 2019 in Des Moines, remember Sydney had that shocked look on her face. I don't know if you guys remember that one. And then tonight yeah. she had that same completely shocked look on her face, but it was for her world record. So it just kind of shows you how the two are completely intertwined in history now in this event, because it's only been two years, but we've gotten to see the, the record get passed back and forth. And it's not like the other one's not in the picture, right? Like, at hurdle seven, Muhammad's still not out of the hurdle eight. Muhammad's still not out of this. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, is Muhammad going to actually gonna run even better? So here it is. Yeah, put this up. This is, so this is 2019. This is, this is Des Moines when Muhammad's breaking the world record, completely stunned, right? And credit to them. They seem to be like great sports about it. And then today she made that similar expression. But when she looked up at the clock, Gordon, she saw 51 starting it. It's crazy. Yeah, I just, she's only 21. I'm just thinking, what is the potential? Like, when you break a world record at such a young age, you think, like, she still has yet to really enter her prime, in my mind. I mean, sprinter's prime, sometimes are a little bit younger than a distance person's prime. But you have to think that 22, 23, 24, she should be even better than what she is now. And Mm -hmm. it's just incredible. It's just unfathomable to think where she goes from here because she didn't just break the world record by like 0.01 or 0.04. She like yeah. got to a new level, the sub 52 mark, 51.9. It just, I'm excited to see what these next, she has what, five championship cycles coming up, right? Yeah. With yeah. The, the world championships and the, and the two Olympics. It's just going to be Sydney mania. I mean, we, we already had Sydney mania when she was in high school and, on the up and coming, but now that she now officially can say she is the best in the world currently and all time, it's going to just go to a different level with the amount of Sydney hype going into every championship season. Well, and credit her because she's had a lot of attention on her for years now. She was in this meet in 2016 as a, as a high schooler and she was tabbed to be, the next great American sprinter even before that, even before she made her appearance in the Olympic trials, people in the track and field community were talking about her and she's lived up to it. And that's so hard. There's so many phenoms who, for whatever reason, some um, that are completely out of their control, never make it to that, even close to the level 
that that Sydney's managed to to get to. I got to mention one thing though, Gordon, before we talk about something else. Did you hear the three word phrase that Sydney mentioned several times in her post race interview? I did. Did it hurt? And speaking you? of the process, I'm kind of excited about the new trust in the process because even though we had a great track and field championship today, about a few right, hours earlier right. earlier. Chris Hayes of the Yahoo Sports said a certain Dame Lillard out in Portland may be on his way right. out, and that is the ultimate process, Dame Lillard and Joel Embiid. But I should not – I, I'm, I shouldn't no. be turning this into a Sixers podcast. This is about the track and field, but I just want to say that. Trust the process. She did trust the process, and as it soon works. as she did say it, I was watching it with, with JoJo, and JoJo looked at me, and she's like, why does everyone say that? So, Just to make you remember – just to make yeah. you remember uh, what you're trying to forget – Okay, so Muhammad, great race. I would not with her how short her buildup was, and she's mentioned in the post race interview. She's run she ran fifty five a couple weeks ago, um, and they've talked about getting to sub fifty two. When she broke the world record, I remember her coach Boogie Johnson had mentioned, "Yeah, like sub fifty two is possible. We're we're not at the end of the potential world record breaking in this era with the four hundred meter hurdles." So, I think Muhammad's got another uh, card to play here. I don't know if, but Sydney also probably has a level up that she can go to. I was just really impressed that Muhammad was able to, to, to run that fast. And I think if you told her going in, hey, you're going to run 52-4 in the final, she'd be, she'd be happy. And then in third, Anna Cockrell breaks her old PB by almost a second court and goes 53-70. And we had talked going into the meet. Remember we said, is her better chance in the high hurdles or the low hurdles? NCAA champion both, but you're looking at the high hurdles and you're looking at the low hurdle fields and you're looking at the four hurdles and you're seeing Sydney, you're seeing Delilah, you're seeing Shamir Little, and you're thinking, man, her best chance might be in the event that she's not as good in in the high hurdles. Turns out, no, outside lane didn't matter. And Anna Cockrell is on the Olympic team. The U.S. Women's 400 team is the one event where I wish we had four athletes go. I wish we had like some way to do the auto like you do at World Champs where you had defending mm -hmm. champion gets the auto. Because I I have like a, I mean, not personal thing, but like I really was impressed with what Shamir Little did this regular season. And I was yeah. really looking forward to her making her first Olympic team. I thought that she was in line, have a big breakout, you know, postseason. But on the same time, I also was very excited about Anna Cockrell, who we saw what happened to her back in 2019 mm -hmm. with the USC 4x4, just dealing with all that and then coming on strong and being always kind of being in the, in the shadows of Sydney because they're kind of in the same age. And then you would think, hey, I want Anna Cockrell to make the team. And it's one of those weird things where it's like you wish there was four spot. You wish you could split that third spot between Shamir and Anna uh, and unfortunately, obviously, you can't do that. Shamir said on Twitter, I have a little surprise for tonight's final. Hope you all love it. But unfortunately, I mean, it was a surprise. I mean, we got a world record. But man, I just, I really want Shamir. I really wanted Shamir Little on that team. I really wanted Anna Cockrell on the team. I was trying to hedge by putting Cockrell on the short hurdles team. I was like, okay, so they mm -hmm. both can be on it. But then once she didn't make the 100 hurdle team, I knew... I was going to have to be disappointed some one way or the other. But Anna Cockle, man, that post-race interview where she was yeah. getting super emotional about not believing in herself back in 2019 and then two years later, she's, you know, going to the Olympics. Yeah. It's just wild. But I, 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 I'm hoping – Feel for Little. Hits the hurdle. Little. She had a great season. Hits the hurdle. And she did. Like her rhythm gets all thrown off at that point. And it's got to be tough. She's on the inside looking at – McLaughlin and Muhammad. That's just got to be tough. I mean, I know you you want – it's an advantage to see your competition. You don't want to be running out there with blinders on. But, yeah, it's it's rough. But credit to credit to Cockrell, yeah, the, the emotion in her, in her interview. I remember we talked about this during the NCAA show because 2019, she took the team loss personally, USC, when she dropped the baton. Um, always been really gracious uh, with her time and really open about what she's going through. So that women's formula hurdle team is going to be – stacked going to Tokyo as we expected and all the races in the interim. I hope we get to see a diamond league or two, Gordon, with Muhammad and McLaughlin. Yeah. And I don't want to get greedy, but I hope we get to see at least one before the Olympics. So are you ready? You ready should for the, we go to the next now? event? I think we we're should. Actually, I mean it's already it's already twelve twenty. 
We, I'm staying we, up all night. I know our producer has got to get to bed. He's got bedtime. So we got we to gotta keep Let it going. Let me tell people the order so they know because people drop in uh, to the chat a little late. Um, we're going to do men's 1500. Then we're going to do women's eight, men's two, men's five, and then the other events of the day, field events and stuff. So yes. men's 1500. Uh, Cole Hawker outkicks Matt Centrowitz, 335-28. Hawker, 52 and change in the last lap. Jared Nagus up for third. Craig Angles is pretty much boxed the entire time. He finishes fourth. Who would have thought back in December in the B heat of a meet in <laughs> California in the 5K uh, when Centro and Cole Hawker were shoulder to shoulder in the final hundred, that that would be the prologue for the Olympic trials. Uh, now that one went the way of Centro, nipping Hawker at the line to win again the B heat in a meet in California uh, last year. But this was a little bit higher stakes here. Hawker was clutch, uh, hung around, hung around, hung around, and had his patented kick there, Gordon. I mean, with a hundred to go, did you doubt that Hawker could get it done? Hundred percent. Centro, for some reason, he's the mastermind of finding a way to always be in the best position in these crazy races. You know, he started out in last, and then before you know it, he's like, "Oh no, he's right on the edge in that second on the shoulder." Boom! He's got mm -hmm. he's in perfect position. And then when the kick started with four hundred to go, Centro just had the easiest run. He was in the inside, in the front, and then he had a lead. And I thought, like, this is classic Centro. He now has a lead. 100 meters ago, there's no way anyone's going to run him down. And I did not imagine this would be the way Central would lose. I did not ever see him lose being kicked down. It wasn't that he was out kicked. He was, he was run down in that final 100. And Kyle Hawker wasn't like in perfect position either. He wasn't like sitting there in second ready to pounce. Hawker had to like weave in and out and on that back turn to like get into position to kick down Central. Yeah. And then... Man, Hawker, he is he's What's he's looking for all that for? smoke. I, I, What's the shish? I don't know for who he's sushing. You're, you're racing but. at your home track. I just I'm not in the press conference, <laughs> so I, this would be the question I would ask him. I, I don't understand. I don't understand the shish. I mean, I, I love that there's a celebration there, and Centro's really good at the finish line celebrations himself. So I, I like that he did he did something there. I did think that Centro could be beaten there. He was looking. You could tell he's looking around, like he was peeking up at the board a little bit. I don't think he was that confident and he was leading from so far out but hawker just we we've seen this before you know this is the exact same kick that he's had time and time again to win ncaa championships is it different at this stage against centro absolutely but we've all known that he can kick hard off a 335 like two way 335 excuse yeah. me right like that's that's something that he's done over and over again. And I bet he was licking his chops when the race played out like that for him. And so you, you weren't su surprised watching that final. I was, here's what I thought. And I haven't had a chance to rewatch it three times. Cause we started right after early on about mid midway through. I think Hawker was more towards the back. If I'm remembering correctly, yeah. central started yes. in the back and then central made a real smart move got towards the yep. front and eventually got got to the lead. Um well here we got the we got the placings going up there. So he was in let's see 7th at 400, then he was at 9th at 800. I kind of had the feeling of you're going to have to put him away early or he's going to be a problem late. That's that's where I thought uh Hawker would factor in. And then with 100 to go and he's right there, I just I look at him and I see the two indoor titles, I see the outdoor run, right? I just saw, I, I snapped back to what I've seen this year over and over again with Cole Hawker. Combine that with the fact that Centro had been up front for quite a bit there, right? So Centro is leading at, well, I guess he was, he was second at 800, then gets the lead at, at 1,200. I don't know. I just, I've seen Hawker's kick enough to know it's not just an NCAA kick. It's an Olympic trials kick too. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting seeing the two races, right? You had the the Hawker Centro race at mm -hmm. four first, and then we also are kind of simultaneously watching what's going on for that third place finish, which obviously would make the team. And Nagus, man, he 
found I was impressed that he was able to get yeah. third. Angles definitely didn't do much help for himself. He was kind of boxed in a bunch of times, and you'd think maybe if Angles was a little cleaner earlier in the race, maybe he has a better way to finish strong. But hey, Nagus. Yeah, it, it makes it makes his it makes one it makes his loss to Hawker at NCAs mean like all right whatever I lost to the guy who ends up winning, winning right I think it gives you kind of very a perspective of how good Nagus has been uh, and hey yeah if you were told in January of 2021 that 66 percent of Team USA in the 1500 were going to be college kids you would have made a lot of money on that parlay. Right. I mean, yeah. no one saw both Hawker and Nagus making the team again back in early 2021. Late right. year, we were like, hey, that could happen. And for it to actually happen, it's kind of like surreal. It's like, whoa, this is crazy, man. We have the two college kids who had their entire 2020 NCAA season taken away from them. And we're doing, I mean, Yer Nagus was out there doing cross country in March, right? And yeah, yeah. And Hawker was out there doing like triples in the indoor season. And now they were able to find a way to get their training right, to put it all together on June 27th at like midnight central time. It's wild. <laughs> well, because we default to the se the season is the college season is too much for the college kids. And it clearly was yeah. for some, because there were some NCAA champions that fizzled out. But there were also some where the fact that they had already been in a high stakes race just a week or so ago helped them. And that was the case with Hawker and, and Nagus. Let's play the would they be happy game, though. If, I, if you're Matt Centrowitz and I told you on April 10th, the day you opened your season in the – or sorry, not the day you opened your season. Your second race of the season and you ran a 15800. Do you think you would have been happy with second place in the trials? I told them that then. Well, I think Central would be happy with any place in the trials that's top three. He wants to go to the yeah. Olympics, right? I don't think right, Centro right. is thinking about. He's lost. He's this won race so many. He's won a lot of U.S. titles that losing a U.S. title isn't a big deal to him anymore. Like he's thinking mm -hmm. international titles, not U.S. titles. He's he's past that, right? I mean, you look at his face here. After getting beat, he's, it's a little bit like, oh, damn, he got me. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, you know, because and if he's going like, to lose to anybody, if he's going to lose to anybody, yeah. he pro probably didn't want to be the guy with the Oregon jersey, right? The guy with the, yeah. the Your Move Centro and in Instagram comments and all that stuff going back and forth. But my, my point is he's lost U.S. championships before. The last one in 2019, he lost to Craig Engels. It's not like yeah. he's this unstoppable force at U.S. championships. And never before that, he had an amazing – streak but i'm kind of with you hey get on the team and now figure it out and if timothy chariot's not in tokyo for kenya if jacob ingerbritson doesn't run the 1500 for some reason then we could see a wide open type of final that we saw in in 2016 before those guys or before chariot specifically took over and dominated the event i just think with hawker the ability to close with similar to tier now tier couldn't quite get it done today in the 5,000, but when you can run that fast and close that quickly, you don't really have any weaknesses. Just like tier, I, I can run 13, 12, and I can close in 54, 55. Or Hawker, I can run, I can close in 54 uh, off of a, you know, and run 335. Like there's just not, or 52, excuse me. I can run, close in 52 off of a, a pace and run 335. Like there's just no, it's tough to beat. It's tough to beat, and and with Thierry came up a little short, but Hawker, I mean, you you he hung around, hung around, hung around, and then boom, you know, went for it, and and again took advantage. I want to know the alternate universe where this race was run in 111 degrees. Like what would have <laughs> happened? Because so with yeah. si with Sydney in the four meter hurdles, remember I said the only thing that can stop Sydney is the sun, and then they moved it later, so the sun really didn't have any chance at that point because the sun was gone. By the way. Did you notice the shots, how beautiful the shots were of the meet when it's oh, actually yeah. at night, night, like not night in the East coast. And then there's things being run on the West coast, because that's how yeah, normally no, it is yeah. for, for primetime and TV. It took on a whole new different, just a whole aura that was different from the, the, the previous days. I know it did it because of crazy circumstances. Uh, in any event, people want to know, because immediately after the race, 
ends, Lee Diffie yells the word asterisk, which that's the most exciting word, word in sports. No, that's the most, that's what you want to hear in sports. As soon as someone crosses the line, you want to hear about the A word, asterisk. And now people are already trying to figure out, hey, is Cole Hawker on the team? Because he does not have the standard. Luckily, you've been spending the last couple of days digging into this. What is the answer, Gordon? One, I've been spending way too much time figuring this out. So before the race started, I went online and I noticed that basically all of the national championships, you know, in, in Europe and Asia, all of them have pretty much come to conclusion. So you're able to see if any athlete either got a new standard or increased their world ranking. And basically I was able to figure it out that I, I can break it down if you really want me to. There are already 37 athletes who have the standard and when you remove mm -hmm. people who are fourth in their country. So 37, we've got 45 go, there's 37 athletes with the standard when you take out fourth, fifth, sixth in countries, right? Because only three per country. And that's also assuming two of them are US people, AKA Centro here and Nagus. So that's 37. They take 45. Mm -hmm. So now when you go to the first person that gets in on world ranking, the highest ranked person going into this meet was Sam Preckle, who had 1,232 points. And mm -hmm. Cole Hawker was like ranked sixth in that list with 1,205 points. Now, what happened is Cole Hawker ran 335, which is good for 1,171 points. But because he won the race at a B-level meet, I don't know why it's a B-level meet, but whatever, you get an extra 100 points. So he got okay. 1,271 points for this win. Now, your ranking is your best five performances. That 1,271 turns out to be his best performance. Then it's like 350 mile is like a 1265. He has a 1237, a 1230, and an 1159 is his worst top five performance, which makes his new average being 1,232 points, which is the highest ranked athlete that doesn't have the standard. It makes sense. Okay. He's run 335 a bunch of times. So yeah. it makes if because once you break 335, you don't need a world ranking anymore. You're you're in the the I have a standard pool. So he's the highest ranked athlete without the standard. The odds of him not being selected, you would need on Tuesday, which is the last day to qualify, you would need like seven athletes who don't have the standard and are in yeah. countries that don't have a top three to all get the standard in a race in Switzerland, which is not going to happen. If they haven't done it now. They're not doing it then. Okay, so, so it's like 99.99% that he's going to be selected because he has the highest ranking. He would be the 38th athlete selected and they take 45. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. We've cleared that up. We can move on to a different race. I think it was funny though. After all that, he runs 3.28. It's like, couldn't have run just three tensor and we didn't need to have this conversation. We could have just totally that segment and we could be talking about the women's 800, which is what we will do. It's all a thing, Mo. Man. That final two just put daylight on of the field, left everybody in a different 157, number two U.S. all-time, got pretty close to Aji Wilson's American record. Raven Rogers, solid kick, as per usual, to get second, 157.66. And I got to tell you, Gordon, the thing that jumped out the most to me, because I had already like compartmentalized with 100 to go, oh, a thing Mo's crushing everybody, but I was looking at Aji Wilson, Falling back, and I thought this is Brazier all over again, except you know, she's not the reigning world champion. She looked out of it. She was in sixth or seventh coming off the final hundred, and it would have been easy for her to throw in the towel because she's so far behind, but stayed totally poised over the last hundred um, and gets that third spot, which is which is crazy. I know she was dealing with some stuff heading into the championships. Um, she'll probably talk more about that in the in the post race press conference. But a clutch last hundred for Wilson, but. Let's talk about a thing, Mo. 156.07. Not bad for her. Not bad for her first trials, huh? Yeah, it's better than not bad. It's incredible. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to need a little bit of crow here on a thing, Mo. Mm -hmm. I was always kind of hedging on her, thinking like, oh, she's bound to have like a blip up. And I was right the first time around at NCA Indoors, where she got second. 
that she didn't have the right race tackets for it indoor 400. And I kind of rode on that train a bit, a little too hard thinking like, oh, she's doing too many 400s. She's not gonna be prepared for an 800 against the best in the world or in the US. But visually seeing her have a five meter lead with a hundred meters to go was a big like, not, I was just like, damn, I've never been more wrong in my life. She's not only the real deal, she is like on the verge of doing incredible things in the next three years of her young career. Things that I didn't even think were possible, let alone like this quickly. And she went from like, oh yeah, oh yeah, she could make the team to now I'm thinking American record. I'm thinking Olympic golds. I'm thinking maybe two to three years from now, she might be closing in on, you know, world all time type marks. Because she has the speed, she looked like she was chilling in that one in that one fifty six, and it was one fifty six low. It wasn't one fifty six high. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 excited. Like I have the excitement now of a thing mode that I have for like Donovan Brazier's world record attempts in his coming years because he's still young in his career. So I I just can't wait. I think she's she's got a great chance for gold. Obviously, you run that fast. It's no question that that she can do it. I'm I'm interested I'm interested to see what Wilson's response as well. To what did you think about how she like Mo like ran that race? Like it's just it takes a lot of guts to do that to go out there and lead that like that. It went through about fifty seven too. Yeah, I mean, but like she just didn't have any signs of like in over her head Stress. i mean she even got tripped up in that first you know 150 yeah. meters and she just like recovered was back in the pack and they were running the race looked like it was slow because they were all packed up but then you look at the opening the third 200 100 was. split the yeah third 200 you look they at ran the, like a 30. yeah okay. but like it, it looked slow but then you look at the clock and like oh they're actually kind of going fast mm -hmm. i guess they slowed down in that third 200 but she looked like a 10-year vet in that race. So like, I'm the best. I'm just going to go to the front. I know. I mean, it had like a Caxter Semenya type feel in my mind. Like, well, just seeing. Have you, when you watch Caxter Semenya races, you see the field and then Caxter by herself. And mm -hmm. when you looked at that final 100 meters, it was everyone chasing for second. And then the thing mode just like chill and be like, no, I'm just two seconds better than everyone. Well, had a little bit of a little bit of David Odisha sprinkled in there too. While we're talking about eight hundred meter greats, of just the effortlessness, and the reason I think it looks slow is because you're looking at the person in front, and it's a thing mo, and there's no distress coming from her at all. It's all calm, it's all poise, everything seems completely under control. And the way she ran and like towed a towed a, a fast field along, so Rogers PB'd in second. Uh, Michaela Meyer PB'd in fourth. Chanel Price PB'd in fifth. Allie Wilson PB'd in sixth. It's kind of Rudisha-y, the way he would make the entire field. He basically would serve as a rabbit for the entire field and tow everything along. Kind of the role that, that Mo did, but she did it in such a strategic way. And, and that's why I don't think it ever looked like it was in doubt. And just to negative split that last 200. What was that? Scroll over. What's that last 200 meter split there? Because they 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 kind of put their foot off the gas. So she ran 30 flat from 400. Is, yeah. So she went from a 30 down to a 28.4, and just she ended the race immediately. If you look down for a moment, a thing Mo was already gone. And if you pull up the Travis, can we pull up the world list in the 800 right now? Just just give us an idea of what else people have run. Um, throughout the world this year i mean i think a thing mo is going to go into the going to the olympics as as one of the favorites obviously a lot of diamond leagues between now and then so um almanza is run 156 get at you that was from the ethiopian trials um and then rogers right there so a thing mo is obviously in the mix and if you had to say okay which one of these women has the capability of going 155 you if necessary you feel good about a thing mo yeah I can't wait to see a thing Mo, Sydney McLaughlin on that four by four. It's gonna be it's gonna be <laughs> wild because I think she made have... a strong case. 
Yeah. <laughs> she made a strong case. All right. Let's go uh, men's 200 and then men's 5,000. Men's 200, as I mentioned at the top, Noah Lyles gets the win. And I, here's another thing about perspective. I think if I told you at the beginning of the year, Noah Lyles won by 0.04 in the Olympic trials, you'd be like, whoa, probably disappointed. But then if you watched the first two rounds and you saw how good everybody was running in this race, you'd say, hey, he's got to be happy to, to move away with a victory. Kenny Bednarik got a PB, awesome race for him. And then Arian Knight and the 17-year-old one-ups his time uh, from the semis, runs 1984, so he lowers his world junior record, and he's going to Tokyo. Props to Fred Curley, inside lane. Serenity called it. She got it right. She said he's going to be better on the inside lane. Uh, breaks 20, so he goes 1990. He's the third person ever now to be sub-10. This is when legal, right, I'm assuming? I didn't even yeah. check because this was the last event. Okay, so he's the – He's the third person other, other than Van Niekerk and Norman to go sub 44, sub 20, sub 10. Finally got his sub 20. And in any other year, Gordon, 199 is going to be good enough to get on the team. But just an insane year. Yeah, there were a lot of different angles. I was incredibly impressed with what Fred Curley did. I thought, whoa, maybe Fred Curley will make the team. Uh, I was impressed with Noah Lyles putting together the best race, the right, best moment. Incredibly impressed with Knighton with the, what he's been doing. And I was doing some like math on Knighton and uh, I sent it mm -hmm. to you guys. What was, uh, I, I did a little comparison between him and Bolt mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, what's my call? Okay, so before the Lyles. age of 18, Noah Lyles' PB was 20.18. Usain Bolt's PB was 19.93. And Knighton's PB is 19.8. What do you want? 19. I forget what he said. Today? 1984. So yeah. he is already 0.09 faster than what Bolt was at this age. And like even double that than what Noah Lyles was. Now, Lyles got good basically between the age of, I mean, he ran his 19.5 before the age of, at the age of 21. And yeah. Bolt ran his 19.3 at the age of 21. So. Mm -hmm. Age 21 is the year where Knighton should be set up to run something fast, which is probably he's going to that. be Paris, maybe, Paris that. Olympics, when he's going to be running in he's the 1905s or 4s or 3s. I'm yeah. just excited for him because he's running fast early on, and hopefully he doesn't burn himself out, and he's able to kind of ride this train through the early days of his prime. Can he renegotiate his contract now? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was obviously a, a smart decision. Things are working out very well for him. And he ran a pro schedule, which I think helped him in this meet. He had experience racing against fast people and he was not over-raced. He was not under-raced. He came in uh, really at the optimal position to compete, but now he's, he's an Olympian. And I don't even know, I mean, Adidas signed him last year, right? Cause he ran the, you're in that 20.3 as a, sophomore if i'm remembering that right and and adidas signed him maybe they signed him in 19. we know when travis will know this let me let me just let goes pro i believe it was 2019. uh and oh wait what was it this year oh i'm sorry i'm way off 2021 he signed the contract sorry when did he run 20.33 oh that was the pandemic year okay so his value's only increased. I think. I think when it. I think when he signed that contract, do you think Adidas thought we're signing somebody who's going to make the Olympics this year? Best case scenario. No, they're thinking. Maybe. They were thinking we're signing someone's going to make, maybe a world team in twenty two or twenty three. I don't think they're thinking yeah. immediate success. Yeah. Ryan in the chat says your house is looking safer. Thank you, Ryan. That's why I'm recording from my house today, just to let people know that it's still intact. But listen, listen. If you had told me at the beginning of the year, hey, you're going to bet your house on a guy who wins by 0.04 at the Olympic trials, I would not feel great. So I don't, I don't feel great. I'm not going to feel great until we get the 19.5 Lyles. That's what, that's what I need to feel secure. I think we might. Lyles. I think we might. Is, he, is this just a long game? Is that what this is? I'll have to watch his interview after to see if we can glean anything else from it. But that's what I want to see. I think we might. I think, I think he's going to run in at least a 19.6. Or nineteen five in Tokyo. 
I think he's setting himself up to run a 19.6 or a 19.5 in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. That's just my well, just as we had, just as we had to make educated uh, guesses about who is going to be ready for the Olympic trials. We're probably going to do the same thing for the Olympics because there's some people who like aren't going to race between now and then, and we won't know, or people who will run and, and give us completely outlier performances that we're not uh, not aware of. Let's move on now, unless there's anything else in the 200. Oh, we should mention uh, Laird, NCAA 100-meter champ, sixth, 20.15. Isaiah Young was fifth, 20.03. But I'll let you take the lead here on the men's 5,000 that took place this morning. So the big uh, take out of this race was what Salimo did when he ran from lane one all the way out to lane four. Some people called it Tokyo Drift, a little play on going to Tokyo and Fast and Furious, which is they now what have Fast Nine? Are they on nine Fast Mm -hmm. and Furiouses? That's a lot of Fast and Furiouses. Um, But, I mean, the team, it makes sense, right? Kincaid, Fisher, and Salimo. Kincaid and Fisher kind of just do a repeat performance of the 10K. And Chalimo shows that, like, hey, um, I'm always going to be in the mix, and um, I'm really good at racing. I've been losing a couple of races to Lopez LeMong here and there, but he's not in the picture anymore. I'm going to be taking over. And Cooper Tier, who was in the mix, I had him making the team, uh, but Cooper Tier ran the probably the best race he could ever run and still got fourth. So no, no, uh, no shame there. But the the tactics. There were a lot of people on the internet who were saying like it's DQ worthy. Mm. There were some notable peop- notable athletes calling it cheap, a cheap move. I'm like, that was not cheap at all. That was racing. It's a, you're supposed to do this stuff. Grant Fisher himself admitted, "Hey man, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Make it hard for me. You you should do that." People run from lane one to lane three all the time. It's just a funny visual, right? Seeing. You know, Cooper Tier, like, hey, Cooper guys, Tier. I'm over here. What's going I'm, on? I'm, I'm still in the race, right? Is, is the finish line in, the, in lane finish, four that I didn't know about? Like, is the finish shoot? Is this like a cross-country meet? Do I need to turn this is like, turn right here? This is like an Olympic trials type thing where you have to go to four instead of one. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But, no, it was a perfect. I People who are hating on the move, they're just lame and dumb. This was a great move. And it didn't screw up Fisher or Kincaid. Like Fisher never lost a step. Kincaid what got third yeah. because he made his move too wide on the on the back turn. Um, there was no, nothing happened to Fisher that would have made him run faster. Chlimo's like, yeah. oh, okay, I got a little bit of a lead on you. I'm gonna make you run wide. I mean, people do it on the turn all the time, right? No one like people. You force someone to go wide so they have to run farther, and that's what Chlimo did. It's like I'm gonna force you to go wide to run further. And uh, yeah, there's great visual but, here yeah. where it looks like there's just a bunch of <laughs> boys horse playing. I don't know what he's saying to them. It's just, it's a little weird. It's like, hey man, like in case, like why are you WWEing me? So this right was now? A, come on, man. So this was a journey. First of all, I I agree with you on on that. This whole thing was a journey. So Chalimo gets agitated during the race because they're clipping on his heels. At one point, Kincaid he turns to Kincaid, says something, and Kincaid's like, all right, I'm trying, I'm trying. Then right after he runs him out to lane four, then right after he finishes, turns right to Kincaid, gets in his face, but then immediately does this celebratory bro headlock thing. It was such a voyage for Paul Chalimo and these two Bowman <laughs> Track Club guys. He went from mortal enemies to 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 friends in in no time at all. It was very bizarre. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. If he made contact, that's one thing. If he made like a completely sudden turn out and was clearly obstructing him, that's fine. But I think the whole point when you're in front, you get to dictate a little bit um, the direction you go. My The problem is none of this stuff is enshrined in the rule book, right? It says you're supposed to run in a straight line, but it doesn't say that you should be DQ'd if you know you are. It mentions things like inhibiting and instruct, you know, obstructing, but um, you know, what, what, he wasn't physically making contact with them. So there's no everybody can argue about it, right? Because there's no actual like clearly delineated rule that says that this should be DQable or not. And I think what you should be allowed to do is basically you should be, you can run straight if you want, but you also can like stay on your line and Chalimo stayed on his line. It was gradually going out. So if Chalimo kept running for another 60 meters, he would have been 
out of, yeah. you know, he would have, or, or 10 meters, he would have been in, in seven. Like he maintained um, the same, and, and and you could tell he was doing that because he didn't run into either of those guys. Here's another great, he was just doing headlocks all the way around. This is just amazing. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand this, this evolution of the, I want to know what Grant Fisher had to say about the headlock, not about running out to lane four. Oh my goodness. Shalimo uh, keeps it interesting though. He does. I was excited for man. Shalimo is one of my favorite athletes. I love his his vibe. He talks about just the way he 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 puts high expectations on himself and he's not afraid to like disappoint on his expectations. Some people are always yeah, hey, yeah. I don't know. I'll see how I feel. He's always like, "No, man. I want to win or I want this, I want that." I mean, he one time made like a prediction or a goal that he would like not lose another race or something like that. Remember that in like 2019, yeah, yeah. like I'm not, I'm going to win every race in 2018 or 19 or something like that. And then he lost like the second race and it's like, all right, yeah. but like he puts it out there. He just, he wants to be who he is. And he had a funny kind of tweet in reaction to John Galt talking about the, the, the drift. And he's like, Hey man, I'm just following COVID regulations, keeping six feet distance. <laughs> They just kept on getting closer to me. I wasn't trying to do it. They were, they were going towards me. I was trying to get away from them. I was, you know. Here, so. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like you do that move, but there's also a disadvantage to it, meaning you open yeah. up lane one. So it's it's a it's a strategy. And if Cooper Tier and two other people had gone through in lane one, we all would have said, "What was he? What was he thinking?" So it's a tactical decision. Again, I think if he makes the move. A bit more dramatically or he makes physical contact then it's a different then it's a different story but he leaves himself open to be passed on the inside when he does that he took the risk it worked um again you see it all the time maybe not as extreme going out to four but you definitely see it into two into three and it's just part of just part of the sport just part of racing and i did the the conversations during the the race were fun to see like he's like talking to Hassan Mead. Like, stop stepping on my. At a certain point, Kara Goucher brought up a good point. She's like, he just gotta like calm down. <laughs> he just gotta. It's it was like a, a a player like talking to the refs too much and not getting back on defense. That's that's how I felt watching that race. Kincaid, man, though his kick, dude. Kincaid with a couple laps. He was with a. He was in a box inside of another box, inside of another box, inside of inside of another box. Like. Yeah, instead of a Rubik's cube or something, like there was no way he was going to get out. He Houdini'd it completely, and all of a sudden he's there, and he's just flying around the track. I don't know when Woody Kincaid got the greatest kick in American track and field, but he does, and it's it's really fun to watch. Fisher, I you know he had that opportunity. He tried to go by in the backstretch, and Shalima held him off, and that's where really this this race was dictated in that last. Um, the lead up to the running out into lane four, right? That all the stuff that came before it made it. So that would be possible, but yeah, Kincaid's close was nuts. Uh, what do you think about these guys running both events in, in Tokyo? Obviously if one of them scratches the 5k that puts uh Cooper tier in, if one of them scratches the 10k that would put Ben true in. Yeah. So the 10k is first for the men. And for mm -hmm. the women, the 5K is first. So there's no reason to ever scratch the event that is second because it's a, you only, the only event you would ever scratch is an event that's before because you want to stay fresher for your main event. So the only situation yeah. we're really going to see is either uh, Carisha Schweizer scratching the five mm -hmm. or seeing uh, Woody Kincaid or Grant Fisher scratching the 10. So basically it's either going we're going to either going to see Ben True in the 10k or Abby Cooper in the 5k if they ever decide to scratch cuz they're not going to scratch the second event because it's like what are you doing like you're there you might as well run it right if you're planning on doing the first event you should take the second event. But if you only want to do the second event then you should scratch the first event. So I think I don't know like I could see Kincaid or double. Fisher. I think they could do I also could see them one scratching. I could see one of them being like, hey, 
I'm just going to go all in on 5K. I want to be as fresh as possible. I want to have my best kick available for that 5K final and not put anything on my legs in the 10K. But then again, there are elite athletes. It's not like the 10K is a day before. It's time to rest. It's time to recover. Off. Yeah. So it's not off. the end of the world. Yeah. Um, what do you think is – you have a- what do you think Kincaid's best event is? What do you think Fisher's best event is? And what do you think Christian Schweizer's best event is? Because they're the ones who have this potential double. I think these are all the same event. The only thing that changes is the people that are in them. So you have to wait to see who's in it. Because I don't think that there's much difference at the at the top level in these events. Because unless someone, unless you know, a chapter guy goes like straight straight from the gun, in which case if yeah. he does that, okay, you'd, you'd probably like those guys in the 5K. Knowing that, in the same way, well, if Safan Hassan goes straight from the gun in the 10K, then you'd probably like their chances better in the 5,000. But if it's a median championship slash uh, world championship slash Olympic race, these these kind of blend together, don't they? Like you're in shape for both of them. It's going to be somewhat uh, modest early pace. It's going to ramp up. You're going to need to kick. If I'm Kincaid and I can close in you know, this fast, I want two tickets to the dance because maybe one of those yeah. ends up being tactical and one of them doesn't. And if you can close this fast, same thing with Schweizer, she can kick. You want two opportunities yeah. to do it and you don't know how either race is going to go. You don't know who's running either race. But, and, you know, in the championship setting, a lot of times the five and the, the 10 kind of blend together. So the only exception would be if somebody makes it super duper honest and then I think you'd like the them both in the shorter shorter race just because yeah, if Chapter guy's gonna go out there and run twenty six thirty, then that changes changes things. All right, all right. We you know, are, one right? here's 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 a question. Here's a question. Okay, you're Ben True. Right, you're, you're Ben True. Okay, you're Ben True. Ben True. And I am. Let's say I'm Grant Fisher. Mm-hmm. And you have. What would you offer Money. me to get me to scratch? And what number do you think it would take? Would you be willing to give? That you think would actually convince Grant? Because if you're like, I'll give you a hundred bucks, Grant's gonna be like, whatever, cool. Mm-hmm. But like, what's the number that you could give that would convince me, Grant Fisher, to take it and be like, all right, yeah, you can have it. Well, if it's me, I'd get my house. The house? That's what I would do. <laughs> That's what I'm willing. I would. I'd have. You know, I double up on my not Lyle's bet. Have two houses, and then I have. Okay, and use the winning house towards the, the, making the team. <laughs> True is deserving. He's been around solid, ran a great race. You know, Tier is deserving. Abby Cooper is deserving. There's so many yeah, fourth yeah, place yeah. people who are who are deserving. Things can happen, injuries pop up, you never know. I just it's tough to count on scratches, especially in an event like the five and the ten that are separate in the Okay. Uh, I'm Ben Olympics. True and you're Grant Fisher. You're twenty four years old. Mm-hmm. And I say I will give you a check for ten thousand dollars. Would you take it and give me the spot? No, no, I wouldn't. Okay. I write you a check for $25,000. I mean, I need to know how much my contract is, but you're getting closer to my number. Right? It's like you're still going to the Olympics. It's not like you're giving up your Olympic spot. You still get to go to the Olympics. And- but, the, but the thing is, if the, if the race that you scratch ends up being way more winnable because of who ends up being in it, you're going to kick yourself for the rest of your life. Yeah, so but I you'll think be it's kicking be. yourself in a new extension on your house that you paid for it with the twenty five thousand dollars. Twenty five is not twenty five is not enough. It would need to be six figures. I need I need six figures. Hundred thousand. So, so okay, what about eighty thousand dollars? You want to give? I would totally give up an Olympic spot for eighty thousand dollars. Six six Ask people in the chat. The okay, okay, people in the chat. What would you give up? Well, I meant eighty Olympic to go spot, under but... your hundred. That was the whole idea. Like you would say no to no. eighty. That's what I meant. I mean, I'm just you'd have to make up whatever you could potentially lose in bonuses and stuff because they think of themselves as medalists, potential medalists. Yeah. All these people, otherwise they wouldn't be there. So, what are you getting in addition to to the medal? Are you getting monetary bonuses? Maybe contract is better the next time around. Achievement of a lifelong goal. You get all those extra Instagram followers. There's a lot there that you got to quantify. There. I don't All think right. your, your value goes up different from a double versus not double, but that's just me.
No, this I'm saying like they're doubling you could gold. Like, no, no, I'm saying he's not an. I'm saying if you go to the Olympics and you get ninth in one race. And then you didn't run the other race, and that race could have been the opportunity where you medal. That's where you you lose the money, is what I'm saying. Someone says 50k, yeah. someone says a million, someone says no less than a half a million. A million. Um, someone says it does not totally matter who is in the race because it will be sub 13, and they have no chance in either. Ouch, that's Ooh. rough. That is a rough. That's take. rough. Uh, okay, go field events. Go field events. Go. Uh, yeah. Javon what, Harrison, what, what man. Oh yeah, Javon, Javon Harrison. Harrison. Two thirty-three, and then he 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 does he passes on his final attempt because he's like I don't even need to try two thirty two thirty-six or two thirty-nine wins that. Luckily, the whole delay of because of the heat advisory, he did get an extra few extra hours to kind of recover for the long jump, and then he PBs again in that long jump eight forty-seven. We're seeing something crazy. You never see the high jump long jump crossover and to be dominant in the u.s in both he can i think medal potentially in both i think is a better shot in the long than he does in the high jump but he is looking legit i mean we haven't seen a, this type of athlete ever i mean i don't know the last time i've seen a high jump long jumper 1912 last american to make it in both jim thorpe anytime jim thorpe is the historical hey! cop, you know it's been jim thorpe Pennsylvania, yeah. man. Jim Thorpe. PA. There we go. I mean, eight, eight forty-seven in the long jump was a whoa. After the long day that he had, that was that was mighty impressive. Um, heptathlon. Uh, Coons, Williams, and Bogard make the team. Yeah, the I mean, Coons unattached uh, has a huge PB six seven zero three. Um, one of the big stories coming out of the heptathlon is the heptathlon event was one of the main reasons why we had this whole like five hour delay because of the heat. Yeah. One of the athletes, uh, Talia Brooks of ASICS, she fainted before the javelin throw, which was the sixth event. And then I think that's when the meet directors realized we probably shouldn't keep doing this, especially when they start doing some running events. And that caused them to then delay the meet. Talia Brooks did protest to give herself a chance to still do the javelin throw. USATF accepted it, and they said, okay, we recognized it's not normal to faint because of the heat, so we're going to let you do your three throws if you want. She ended up not taking it because uh, I guess she just wasn't happy. I don't know why she ended up not using it, but USATF did the right thing of letting her attempt to do it if she wanted to. Well, they said, but it, they said hold on, just to clarify for a second. USATF said she withdrew. NBC said she wasn't medically cleared to compete. And I don't oh, know what. Okay. So I'm not sure. We might get some clarity on that on the days to come. But that's what I saw. Continue. Okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So that was a bummer for her. She's one of the top heptathletes in the country. I'm not sure if she would have been top three. Javelin throws one for weaker events. I looked it up. Her PB is, isn't that good in that event. So the odds of her making top three, even if she was – um healthy or probably mm -hmm. on the edge of not happening but we have a great team i mean the top three all uh performing over 600 6, points it's very good we the top two women pb'd so it's exciting mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. i mean it, uh, i think the the last event was pretty cool they had jackie joiner kersey in the booth there but uh yeah just a weird turn of events there it was really late when they postponed the meet. I was getting ready to get ready to go to your house. Like I wasn't in the getting ready stage, but I was like starting to prepare myself to go to your house to watch to watch the meet. And then I got the the text and said, oh, it's pushed back. And then you come to find out athletes were at the stadium. Like I think Mo was warming up, she said, for the competition. And then went home because it wasn't just postponed by a little bit. It was postponed by, by several hours. So it's just a... You know, they knew that how hot it was going to be, but I, I guess it took something happening to an athlete before they finally decided to push it back. And you wonder now that you see you see what happened with these times. Maybe they could have done it in 111, but I don't. I think there's a big difference between high 90s and what we were going to see today with like 111 or 112. And maybe the performances aren't as as good. It's pretty pretty crazy in terms of history too. I forgot to mention. Arian Knighton 
youngest U.S. man to make a team since Jim Ryan. I forgot to mention that in the 200. Incredible. Discussion. Yeah, so a lot of history. He does not look like it. He, he's not running like a 17-year-old. He's running like a, a 20, 21-year-old. Yeah. It's wild. It's, it's crazy. Like, it's weird because this is the – we're in the Olympic season, right? And you jump in and you look at these other sports and you see other athletes in other sports who are super young making teams and contending for medals. And track is – its age window is a little bit farther back, I would say, than like swimming or, yeah. or gymnastics. I mean, we someone's probably run the numbers. But people like Phelps are like a crazy anomaly to hang around that long. And, I mean, Phelps, right, his first Olympics, 15 years old or something. Like you just yeah. – you don't see that very often at all in track. Now, although there's a lot of 20-year-olds. You know, there's 19-year-olds, 21-year-olds. So there's definitely young – young people, young adults there, but there's not that many people that are, you know, around Knighton's age or, or even a little bit older making the team. And then tonight we saw him, Thing Mo, um, step up to the plate and and perform. So it's interesting. I think for other people, it's like, oh, okay, a 17-year-old made it in track. Well, uh, such and such made it in swimming. But it's just, it's rare. It's rare for track and field. Again, 72 the last time for the U.S. man to make a team that young. You know what? You know what would have been funny if uh, during this heat advisory, where they had to postpone the meet, if Mount Sac, like Twitter account, tweeted out like the temperature in California right now. I saw I saw some Des Moines people posting, and then I remembered that in 2019, or was it 18? 18. They had to postpone the meet because of lightning. And, yeah, yeah, I remember and, that. Too. And M Michael Norman literally left. He was like, ah, "I'm not going to wait." Yeah, he didn't do the final. <laughs> I'm not going to run a 200 anymore. Non-championship year. Evan Jager came back. That was a that was funny, but yeah, the weather obviously was un unpredictable. Uh no one. Yeah, I don't I mean in the Northwest. I had those. Well, I grew up in Las Vegas, so I'm used to 111, 113, and I went to Oregon to avoid that. That's why the whole reason I went to that school was to not deal with. That, that sort of heat. So very, very crazy conditions in an insane last day. Uh, someone asked best U.S. trials ever. I mean, I'll have to go back and look. I don't want to just be stuck in the moment, but it's – Yeah, I'm taking it, it feels, for sure. It, it is the best. It feels – so I've been, I've been to last three, 08, 12, and, and 16, and I, I don't remember there being – days like this in either one of those just the combination of the surprise winners the dominance shown and the times put down i think like, was was without equal how many boring events could you say there were there were i know we, we normally do like best <laughs> events but like what's our boring top three it's kind of hard to find three boring events i mean you could argue maybe because like the hundreds they had the fred curly factor and Shakari Richardson factor. 200s, obviously not Lyles, Knighton, and Gabby. 400, you had Allison Felix. 400 men, you could probably say that was probably one of the more boring ones because Michael Norman won. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. 800s, uh, they were interesting Crazy. on both sides, right? The Donovan Brazier, Thing Mo situation. 1500s, that was great, both men and women. Steeple, women, I, I would say was, uh, it was, it was what we expected, I guess. So you could say half boring. Men was kind of probably half boring. So combine them to be one boring. So we had, we had two full borings. Uh, 5Ks were women was kind of a half boring. Men was good. So we're at 2.5 borings. And then the 10Ks I thought were good on both sides. So yeah, two and a half borings on the track events. But you'll remember, well, you didn't do the hurdles. Yeah, well, the, both 400 hurdles were, or both 400 hurdles were good on the men's side and women's side. I would say the 100 women's, maybe you could call it boring. So we're at, we're at three borings, three and a half borings out of the 22 or 20 track events. Yeah, That's pretty good. That's think, 17 great events and only three borings. That's, a great, that's an all-time well, great. I don't know about you, but I'll take well, 17 you, out of 20 any day. Well, and then you throw in Krauser in the shot. You throw in yes, what yeah. Javon Harrison did and American Records in the hammer. It was... It was good all around in terms of the competition, the surprises, and all-time performances. Because, yeah, Ash Neaton breaks a world record. That's like a huge, huge story. But then you just take yesterday's performances between Gabby Thomas, number two all-time, 
Rye Benjamin, number two all time, Grant Holloway, number two all time in a semi. That was in and of itself crazy. And then you go into today. I always judge us on like, what are you going to remember about the meet? And I think there was a lot here that you're going to remember about the 2021 trials. It's going to be easy yeah. to, to, to like, oh, okay. Um, that, that, that was 2021. That's the year that, that Hawker had that crazy kick or a thing. Mo went nuts or Aaron Knighton pulled a Noah Lyles and almost beat Noah Lyles. Um, Joseph says lack of ability to interview runners boring. So there you go. Yeah. That was tough. That's true. Tough. Uh, I will say we'll probably we'll go deep dive on reactions to the whole trials again on Tuesday. We're skipping Monday's podcast. We'll do Tuesday, Thursday. This is this Monday's week. podcast. This, this is Monday's one podcast. Ten of, one ten in the morning. That's true. So this is this, enjoy um, the Monday pod, everybody. Oh, we're getting a lot of Jamaica talk. Like, hey, can you guys talk about the Jamaican trials? And they were crazy. There was some surprises. Omar McLeod. Oh yeah. Uh, didn't didn't finish top three. So there's a lot, a lot going on that we're going to get to and we'll give a more thorough breakdown of the, you know, the big picture heading out of Eugene. We'll talk about that. We're going to go Tuesday, Thursday. Is that correct? Yeah, we'll go Tuesday, Thursday. I do want to say before we go into Tuesday, I want to tease what we'll talk about. There were 22 uh, running events, men and women, 11 men, 11 women for the Olympic trials. None of them were boring. No, yeah. yeah. I'm including the, the two marathon races. In 2016, 16 of the 22 champions were Nike athletes. Two were Saucony, two New Balance, one Adidas, one Wazelle, hashtag Kate Grace. But 16 of 22 were Nike. In 2021, Nike creates the super shoe. Only 11. They only <laughs> won 11 of the 22. Nike got 11 champions. And I'm counting Cole Hawker as a Nike athlete because he was wearing a Nike jersey with Oregon. But uh, 11 Nike, six New Balance. So they mm. went from two in 2016 to six in 2021. Adidas went from one to three, and Hoka won one, got two. Hillary Bohr and uh, Alfine Tulemic in the marathon. So you Nike losing that. its stranglehold of the champions. You should post that and then put dot, 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 just asking questions on Twitter. Because you got to preface it with, and then they made the super shoot to make it really seem like that's what what caused the the change. Uh, okay, we'll leave it there. Again, we're back Tuesday, 9 a.m. Central, and then Thursday, 9 a.m. Central. Those will be the other two pods for this week. Be sure you subscribe to the Flowtrack Podcast YouTube channel. If you haven't, you can also find us on iTunes, wherever you get the audio podcasts. Check out the site. We'll have a bunch of interviews up, flowtrack.org. Follow us on Instagram. You know, do all the good stuff. Thanks to Elon for producing and staying up very late into Monday. Great job, Elon. And thank you to Travis, as always. Hope everybody enjoyed the trials. We will see you just in a day. Take care.